Hello and welcome to Inside Indie Riff. It's brought to you by Message Matters and hosted by me, Peter Duncan. And me, Andy McKeever, and we're going to be in coffee shops and cafes throughout Scotland with a laptop, a microphone, a 15-minute egg timer and a key referendum campaigner. You'll find us on Twitter at Inside Indie Ref and of course on messagematters.co.uk. So let's go to this week's podcast. Welcome to our latest uh, Inside Indie Ref podcast. We're back in our second home again, the West End of Glasgow. And with us today is uh, Susan Stewart, uh, former uh, comms director for Yes Scotland. Before that, comms director for uh, University of Glasgow, and prior to that, Scotland's first ever diplomat. Something Indeed. that you, you can never ever lose that title. And obviously, a, a former uh, founding, founding well, existing founding member of Women for Independence, Susan, lovely to have you with us. Hi, uh, thanks very much. Um, we, we thought we'd, we'd talk uh, first of all today about the. I mean, clearly, there's been a development of the Yes Scotland narrative in the last week or ten days or so. Uh, particularly moving into the implications for the for Scotland's NHS. Yeah. Um, should should we not have a yes vote, which is a is a different kind of narrative yeah. to that in which they have been developing today, much more um, in, in demonstrating the impact on everyday life. Yeah. What's your kind of reading of why that's necessary? How successful it's been? Yeah. Is is there time for it to make a difference? Okay, well, I think what Yes Scotland and the wider Yes movement have done, focusing on the NHS narrative, is really start to associate or try to associate um, the concept of risk with a no vote. Traditionally, through the, throughout this debate over the past two years, risk has been understood to be associated with a yes vote. Yeah. And what people have started to say now is, well, what is the risk of voting no? There are two uncertain futures in yes and no. But if we vote no, look at the direction of travel in Westminster in terms of the cuts to the public sector, particularly to the National Health Service. They have tried, I think, to get across a better understanding of the Barnett formula and how it works, because I think outside political anorak classes, people don't necessarily yeah. understand Barnett or consequentials. <laughs> or indeed, or indeed from, from some comments by politicians on all sides over the past few days, clearly not all of them understand it either. Um, is, there, is there a risk, though, in, in this development of effectively policy-based campaigning for Yes Scotland, rather than effectively advocating the transfer of powers themselves, mm-hmm. but actually to extend that towards the, 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 kind of the, the way in which Scots, after independence, would want to use those powers? Yeah, I think that would be a risk if it was a policy that was been promoted around which there was an utter unanimity. Um, But when it comes to the NHS, you're going to get a very brave politician who stands up and says, well, actually, I think it's time we looked at the fundamentals of National Health Service provision and funding. So if they were talking, you know, specifics, the kind of specifics that are in the white paper, um, around which not everyone in the Yes movement would sign up, like NATO and corporation tax... But because it's the NHS, I think that's that's safe enough and there is a resonance with, with people of all parties in Scotland. One might argue that the same is true of, of Trident, which has been another policy, not pushed nearly as hard as NHS, but another policy plank that, that yes, have, have pushed. Yeah. I mean, given, given that the polls, certainly last weekend, seemed uh, to have indicated a bit of a bounce, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, bit, a better mm-hmm. week for Yes Scotland, you know, for the first time really since the Commonwealth Games, they've, yeah. they've had a bit of a bounce. You can wonder then why that narrative hasn't been deployed earlier. Um, Perhaps. Yeah, um, I, I think 
some of us have wondered why that narrative yeah. wasn't de- deployed earlier. For me, the interesting thing about the polls at the weekend in relation to the NHS was the the gender element and the fact that women yes. in particular were more inclined to vote. Yes, significantly. Um, so that is important. It might be that the official campaign has been doing private polling in terms of what will work with women. I really don't know. Um, and that's why that has, has come to the fore. If you... If you look at, um, again, staying with the, the policy-based stuff, yeah. a lot of SNP support comes from north and central belt. Yeah. A lot of rural support. Now, I would argue, you may disagree, I would I would argue that a lot of what has been mentioned, perhaps not so much in the NHS, which uh-huh. is a bit more universal, but a lot of what's been talked about on you know bedroom tax, benefits, ending austerity, renationalising the post office, uh, Royal Mail, sorry, uh-huh. that sort of thing, a lot of that clearly appeals to a kind of urban left vote. Which is very substantial, and which obviously mm-hmm. needs to be needs to be looked at. Yeah, you need it to win Glasgow and win yeah, Central absolutely, Scotland because, it's so, the because it's so big. So yeah. you've got to win Glasgow. Yeah. You're not going to win the referendum. That's that's absolutely fine. It the the kind of tartan Tory, mm-hmm. so called, um, up further north, it may not appeal quite so much to them. I mean, have you got any kind of worry that by opening the door to what you might call the traditional Labour left mm-hmm. in the west of Scotland? might at the same time open up the back door and you might bleed a few traditional SNP supporters who might have supported independence and they might go the other way because they're not really looking for the sort of policy platform that's being offered by the Yes campaign. Um, That doesn't worry me because I think if you are... Those voters, um, wherever they are in Scotland, who vote SNP because their fundamental premise is independence, will vote yes on the 18th of September regardless of whichever policies are hung round it. I don't necessarily make a correlation between SNP support and Yes Scotland support. I think the correlation too between, you know, traditionally SNP support being in those areas of Scotland that were perhaps more prosperous than others. 2011 kind of blew that, you know, um, there are parts of Glasgow that one would never have expected to elect an SNP uh, representative. They wouldn't have an overall majority in the Scottish Parliament if they hadn't appealed to um, those parts of the is country it, too. Is that cal- is that quite calculated gamble? And is it of people taking the view that once you are a pro indie person, even if you're say a centre right, you know, liberal mm-hmm. free market indie person, mm-hmm. once you're in the camp, you're never going to leave, even if you don't like some of the policy pronouncements that have been made, has that been calculated? All you're doing is bringing more people um, on, you're not I, letting anybody go? I, I, I really am not in a position to say whether it's calculated. It's certainly my view that if you believe, if you are, I think it was Nicola Sturgeon who referred to existential nationalists and uh, yes. uh, instrumental interesting, nationalists. Interesting and if, if you're an existential nationalist, you believe in Scotland as a nation state, no matter what, I think you're very unlikely um, to vote other than yes on 18th September. You might, you know, you might have a moan in the public print about NATO or currency or Europe, da-da-da-da, but you'll still, when it comes down to it, vote yes. And how how easy do you, how willing do you think the main protagonists in the yes campaign and how easy will it be for them to, after a yes vote, let's take the example of, I don't know, Royal Mail, mm-hmm. renationalisation of Royal Mail, mm-hmm. which I think people would accept, even if you want to do it, potentially technically exceptionally difficult, and nobody really knows how it's going to be done, I don't think, Mm -hmm. but how easy will it be, and how willing will people be to kind of shelf some of the things that have been said, and just say, well, we've got what we've got now, we've got to be a bit pragmatic about what we do with it, 
you know, will a lot change from, say, the white paper and some of the pronouncements that have been made? I, I would have thought that the post a yes vote in the the eighteen month <clears throat> process of setting up a state, and let's not forget we've we've got a lot of fundamental building blocks already in place, so I, I don't think it is going to be as insurmountable a challenge as many on the no side uh, would claim. I think there will be a consensus whereby most of our politicians are working for the common good. I think that where you will begin to see a sharp divergence um, is in the run-up to to 2016. Um, Similarly, I also think that those parties who currently are supporting a no vote, uh, there are gradations within those parties um, of support for no. There are people in the Labour Party who are very much at the the far end of Devo Max, And those, you know, dare I say it, I suspect there are some Labour MPs who would rather uh, that some powers which currently um, are within the Scottish Parliament... Well, you know, far be it from me, but uh, the odd one or two has said so in the past. can't believe that. (laughs) Susan, I I want to ask you about, you know, know, you're someone with, as I said, Scotland's first ever diplomat. Um, uh, what, What is the... What's the, what do you think is the international perspective to this referendum campaign? We've had some interesting discussions uh, about how positive a debate it's actually been. I mean, obviously mm. there's been some negativity around the, mm. the cyber stuff and whatever, Aye. but actually, from the point of view of engagement in town halls and village yep. halls, it's been good. Yep. As far as a national conversation, mm-hmm. it's maybe been quite cathartic. What's, what do you think will be the international perspective on, on Scotland? You know what, is this something, is this a process we can be proud of? Yeah. Is it something we could have been could have done better? Yeah. How do you see it? Well, it's certainly been a long process, uh, and there has been international interest right from the beginning. I mean, even when I was working at Yes Scotland, October twenty twelve, we had a lot of international yeah. interest, particularly from those regions or areas in the world who have had similar kind of debates, like Quebec. Yeah. Quebec journalists have been over Catalan, Spanish journalists, and also Commonwealth countries have dis- been disproportionately interested. Um, I think for those... Even, of, even Tony Abbott, apparently. Even, even, even Tony, Tony, Tony Abbott had, had <laughs> his view, and uh, as I say, one, uh, one that doesn't always get the friends that, that one would choose. I'm sure the Better Together campaign would rather he hadn't said what he said in quite the way he Which said. Which one, one Christmas card um, Alex can forget about after, after independence. Um, but, you know, this has been a debate about constitutional future that has been entirely peaceful, that has involved tens of thousands of people in Scotland. Um, the online debate, for sure, has occasionally um, got far more aggressive and adversarial than personally I would like to see. Uh, but my experience of town hall meetings uh, and conversations throughout the country is that this has been an entirely positive experience. Now, I think, and I of course would say this as a yes supporter, that there are some countries in the world, um, particularly small European neighbours, who, if we vote no, will just simply not understand why we did that. I think, however, that those countries who, because of their position in the geopolitical power um, relationship that, that, that the UK is involved with, those countries who have been used to dealing with the UK in different international fora, take a different view. Yeah. However, I think it's familiarity yeah. rather than really understanding. It was something quite strange. I mean, the Obama comment was quite... You know, I, I was surprised because, yeah, you know... Unusual. You could always see his, his people in the background scrabbling. Well, I'm not sure that it was necessarily the view of, of the US State Department, certainly, yeah. a, a couple of years ago, who had said that they were 
far more exercised about the possibility of the UK leaving the EU than they were about the possibility of Scottish independence. So to what extent that was choreographed um, in conjunction with Cameron, Prime Minister, who knows? Susan, you're not somebody with any obvious political party allegiance, so it's quite interesting to get your perspective on, let's say there is a yes vote. Yep. Um, So it's something I'm working on. I thought you might be. Um, Perhaps not in the run-up to 2016, when things, you know, the cards may not have been able to be yeah. shuffled by that point, but maybe the election afterwards. How would you like to see party politics taking shape at that point? You know, what, what do you see happening? Well, I'd like to see them uh, radically reconstituted. Um, I am one of these old-fashioned uh, lefties, and perhaps I'm showing my age here, who, who rather believes in the realignment of the Scottish left. I think there are people in the SNP and the Labour Party, and, and for that matter the Green Party, who have far more in common with people in other parties than they do mm. with some of their own colleagues. The same may be true of those right-of-centre politicians, but I'm not as familiar with those. I also wonder to what extent an independent Scotland might provide room for smaller parties and more representation um, from those who we saw represented in 1999 to 2003, for example. Um, It's not beyond the realm of possibility, and it certainly exists in other European countries. I'm not necessarily advocating it, but but some modern European democracies, for example, have a women's party um, that command a, a fair proportion of the vote. But, you know, first and foremost, I would like to see those who believe in broadly socialist, social democratic, left of centre policies um, come together. I personally don't really see what the raison d'etre of the Scottish National Party is post uh, a yes vote. And similarly, I think that there are people in no parties who are far less opposed to a yes vote than they have had to um, express. Susan, that's great. Thanks very much. Great to have you with us today. Hold on, guys. Uh, We'll be back in a few minutes with some analysis. Okay, here we are, back with our analysis after uh, the Susan Stewart podcast. Um, Interesting stuff on policy. I think we've talked a bit before about the Yes Scotland campaign being a very policy-driven campaign. In the past, the policy has been quite identifiably left-wing policy. But the NHS moves a bit different because it's much more of a universal policy platform. Yeah, I think I, I think Susan's right to identify that, um, that. I mean, certainly the NHS stuff over the last week ha- seems to have made an impression, um, where quite a lot of the other narratives over our recent weeks haven't. Um, particularly interesting, actually, to reflect that the big movement has been amongst women voters. Um, certainly, the ICM poll at the weekend certainly would in, would indicate that. There has been a distinct move in um, uh, in support amongst uh, women voters where previously there was a huge deficit. It may well just be that the two are connected and that suddenly actually getting to the softer issues um, rather than the hard um, uh, fear factor of, of taking the big jump towards independence is actually the move that's making a difference. I thought it was interesting, I haven't heard anybody put it like this before, I thought it was interesting when <coughs> Susan talked about risk and said this was the... This was the yes. Effectively, this was the yes campaign's version of the currency debate. You know, the currency for the no campaign is a way of injecting risk into the campaign, and we know that women tend to be more risk averse according to the polls than men. This is the yes campaign's way of injecting risk into the debate, yeah. saying that you're uh, risking the NHS if you don't vote. Yes, I think the di- you know the difficulty with it is it's not a particularly difficult rebuttal 
for the no campaign. No, I mean, fu- I mean, fundamentally, this is not an argument with the NHS. This is an argument about the size of the state. And, and you know, Susan and indeed, yes, Scotland are right to identify that there is potentially a difference north and south of the border as to uh, the general political consensus on how big the state should be. Um, if the state in at UK level is to become uh, smaller and to be nearer 30 than 40 percent, then potentially there is that, that is something which the Barnett formula and, and current funding structure for Scotland cannot and will not address. Of course, substantial tax devolution could, of course, allow the Scottish Parliament to the, the, give them the tools to address that in the longer term. But unless they're actually not spending the money in a devolved area, then Barnett consequentials won't be affected, of course, which yes. is something that you know I, I wouldn't have thought they'd choose to get. We could start talking about the Barnett. We could. I think people might be quite bored. I think it would be quite tedious. Uh, what was what was interesting, more interesting than the Barnett formula, um, you know, the universal nature of the NHS perhaps answers this question to a degree. But Susan's obviously not. We've asked a few people before, and Susan's obviously not hugely concerned that they're going to lose the Tartan Tory vote, the so-called Tartan Tory vote from. Sort of north of you know, Perth and north, with the with the left wing outlook of the uh, Scotland campaign, I think that it's just a measure again of the discipline of the independence movement that you can basically stuff people's ears. Um, once they're on board, they don't tend to go anywhere else. Yeah, there's going to, there's going to be a couple of um, there's going to be a couple of council area results um, or count totals declared on count night that will be very interesting to reflect. For example, somewhere like Moray which is a council area co-terminus with Richard Lockhead's constituency. Richard Lockhead secured a vote share in excess of 50% in, in money constituency, which is the same as the council area, which will count yes or no on the 18th of September. And it will be fascinating to see um, how how near yes Scotland gets to that share of the vote. I think it will become some way short. And I think that because it's some way short, that for me would indicate that the soft nationalist vote has been scared off by some of the narrative. She's, um, you know, Susan's a, and I think she wouldn't mind me saying an experienced lefty, is Susan. Some of us are more experienced than others. Yeah, that's true, yes. You're not an experienced lefty, in fairness. That's true. Um, and she was interesting on the, the sort of realignment of the left. I mean, the left is awfully cluttered in Scotland. SNP, Labour, Greens, Solidarity, you name it. It's a pretty cluttered field for post-Indy ref. Yeah, um, you know, there is there is potential um, people who have found themselves to be quite close to each other during this campaign. Again, you know, the referendum campaign has got people talking to each other in a way that other political discussions haven't in recent years. And I'm sure there are some people who have found themselves in quite friendly discussions across party divides and not on the left. Um, and it'll be interesting to see whether those conversations continue. Well, that's all for today, folks. We've been all about the West End of Glasgow this week with Adam Tompkins and Susan Stewart. We will probably return east next week. I, I don't think. think we should go to the West End of Glasgow for some time. No. Just, just on, on principle. On principle. We'll speak to you next week. See you.